0: Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Joe, thanks for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. So, I have to ask because for the 12th straight year I wasn't invited, how was that wild manager of the year party that oh, you throw?
1: I mean, craziest, probably craziest one ever, oh, I'd wow. say. I knew it. I mean, it was it. it was like a, it was a true bacchanal. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, every year on the day that the uh, American league and national league managers of the year are announced, I throw a, just an insane, insane. rager. It's like a, it's a 24 hour rager at my house and we just destroy <laughs> the place. And it's like, I don't want to get too salacious, but it's drugs and it's, it's booze. And it's just like why it's basically wilding. It's the concept of wilding. We basically go wilding <laughs> to celebrate the announcement of the uh, American league and national league managers of the year. And this one was, I mean, the they, a SWAT team was called in, <laughs> and there uh, I mean there were like there were ambulances everywhere. But then like the EMTs were getting into the party, them like they wouldn't even they didn't even take away the injured people because they were like the party looked too fun. So then they got into it. I mean it was just it was nuts. It was truly nuts. And then it, it goes right up until the moment that the, that the manager of the year announcements happen, and then they we we watch them happen, and then everyone just uh, kind of goes home.
0: That's it. Every, once yeah, once uh, Tori Lavulo and Paul Molitor were named. That's right. It, it just ends. It just Party's ends over.
1: That Party's point. over. And everyone and there's it's very unceremonious. Like there's no like big ceremony or anything. It's just like we watch the announcements and everyone just kind of quietly shuffles home.
0: You know, I've heard it said I don't you know, I've never been. So, you know, I've heard it said if there aren't 10 arrests, it's not a party.
1: We, yeah, we it's I mean, that. basically, like it, it, we won up ourselves every year. Like it gets crazier every year. I can only imagine what's gonna happen. Now. I mean like the basically half of my house it was caved in. <laughs> it's, it's just missing. There's just walls missing. Uh it was it was pretty nuts. But that manager
0: um, and of course everybody knows that this goes into a party that I have been invited to. Uh we are recording this on Wednesday, just about an hour or so before they will announce the Cy Young winners, and that's a very different party.
1: Totally different vibe. That's it's a very genteel movie. affair. Yeah. That's uh finger sandwiches and uh and uh, lady gray tea <laughs> and uh and we do a we do a there's a chamber ensemble that plays right. um mostly baroque chamber music but a little bit of like romantic chamber music and sure. Um, sure. and it's white gloves for ladies uh, and uh mostly vests and uh, whiskets for men <laughs> and top hats and um and there's a lot of like cigarettes full, and long cigarette holders and full uh, tails, full tails, full white, white tails, full white tails. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um and uh, yeah, and that's so that's a very that's a very like sort of proper uh almost opera, like an opera opening night is the way I would Right. Uh describe it. And then the yeah, for that's for the sayong And then again when the sayong awards are announced, everyone just immediately kinda of just leaves and shovels. Just
0: leaves. Off. That's it. That the the party's over. Uh <laughs> I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I
1: the, mean, it, it, the different awards call for different kinds of celebrations. Sure. Like Cy Young is like a is a genteel affair and manager of the year is like an insane, like <laughs> late Roman Empire orgy.
0: Everyone says that. Yeah. Everyone has been saying that since the beginning of the manager of the year thing. You know? I mean,
1: why? Why have the manager of the year awards <laughs> if you're not going to celebrate? In that fashion, I don't understand it.
0: Well, that's true. I mean, it's not like yours is the only manager of the year. No, there, there's LA. like there's I eight of them happening
1: on my block. I mean, right, everybody's having right. their own man, manager of the year award back in L. <laughs> <laughs> there,
0: there you go. There you go. So, uh, yeah, you know, the this is awards week. Uh, we're, we're smack dab in the middle of awards week. And then, I mean, this is sort of like the last sort of like even a whisper of, of the baseball season. And then it's over. And then, you know, we have free agency and then winter meetings is coming up and all that. But this is like the last bit, like they're still showing highlights and cool things, you know, from the season and, and, and all of that. And boy, once this is done darkness, it's just, yeah,
1: it's a real bummer. You know, my uh, jerk son who became a Dodger fan uh, uh, during the, Baseball season, I allow him in the mornings before school to look at baseball highlights uh, on his iPad. So he comes out in the morning, eats breakfast, and he is allowed to watch uh, highlights of the games he missed because he had to go to sleep, the West Coast games, basically. Sure. Um, So he can watch the baseball highlights in the same way that when I was a kid, I could read, I read the paper in the morning.
0: (laughs) That's all we have.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So so recently I, I realized, like, I just sort of, it didn't occur to me that, like, the season was over really because. I would come down, he would be eating his cereal and I would come down. He'd be still watching his iPad, still watching baseball highlights. And just recently, like a day ago, I realized he was just kind of sadly watching (laughs) highlights of just like years past. He would type in to like his search bar, he'd type in like greatest right field catches or whatever. And then he would just watch like highlight reels. But it was, it's really sad. It's like what happens to like a true baseball fan when the season's over is you just like sadly reminisce about baseball, (laughs) you know, it's like, it really kind of broke my heart. Just how like, how like moribundly he was watching just like highlight reels of Ken Griffey Jr. You know, uh, crashing into the wall and stuff. It's a real bummer.
0: But think about the age that your son lives in though, that he gets to do, look, cause I mean, the, the, nothing can take away from the darkness of, of, of baseball, you know, being gone, you know I mean? That's just those, these next three months are just, that's it. It's winter. It's dark. Okay. Yep. But what do we have? We had nothing. We like could cut out box scores out of, out of the sporting news and like look at those like all summer, winter. I mean, he oh. at least gets to see these incredibly cool videos and, and you know, it's pretty unlimited what he can at least sort of you know see during this time and we had nothing we had nothing
1: believe me part of the reason that I call him my jerk son is because (laughs) of how much better his life is than mine and I I feel like I've told you the story before but in 1986 I my grandparents on my father's side used to live in England half the year and I went to England uh, to spend like uh, three weeks uh, with my grandparents and they lived in this little small cottage in the countryside and It was the year, obviously, that the Red Sox got off to a crazy good start. Roger Clemens went 24 and four and won the Cy Young. And that year, he won his first 14 decisions before he lost, which was like close to a record. He was, I think, maybe at the time he set the American League record or he tied the American League record or whatever. So, obviously, like this was a huge deal for me. Like, in, 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 April he struck out 20 guys he struck out 20 Mariners in the game and then he had won his like first six or eight starts or whatever it was and then I went to England in June when the school year ended and I was like it's so sad that I wasn't able to follow the Roger the Red Sox and Roger Clemens and I would get the like International Herald Tribune or whatever it was newspaper but not only because of the time difference, not only did they not have yesterday's games, they didn't have the day before his games because the, it went to press before those games had ended. And so I was getting like two day old information. And so I was de- I knew that Roger Clemens was pitching in a game. Uh, you know, uh, on a, on a Tuesday. And I wouldn't be able to find out what happened until Thursday, right? <laughs> and, you know, there's no internet and the phone is too expensive. I can't make a, I'm not going to use the phone to call somebody in the, you know, back in the <laughs> States. So I had to wait essentially 48 hours to find out whether or not Roger Clemens had won his decision. And it was such a bummer. And to think now like that, the, the difference in, in our lives growing up in terms of how we followed the game Versus how a nine-year-old follows the game. I mean, it's it's truly absurd. And of of you know, I have this thought all the time of like, what are our kids gonna not be able to believe about our lives when we grew up? And there are certain things like they're not gonna be able to believe that you had a phone that was like bolted to a wall that had a long (laughs) cord. Like they're you know, basic things that you didn't have a computer. There was no computer that you're you know, at some point they're gonna not be able to believe that you had to drive your own car. Right, (laughs) like that's gonna start. But I, to me, like the ones that really get me are these, are these little things, these little details. Like when it, if you weren't in your, where you lived, uh, you couldn't find the a, a baseball score. You nope. literally couldn't find the score of a baseball game for like for a, a day and a half. And by the way, even in, uh, if you were in the East coast, you couldn't find the Mariners score oh. until, until like, you know, the next night or something like, it took so long to just get basic information about baseball, which is obviously a daily occurrence in the summer. And that's why it stands out as the thing that, like, you can tell the difference between a nine-year-old's life and our lives when we were nine so starkly.
0: Well, it's it's completely different. I, the one I really come to think of all the time, even though I'm no longer, uh, you know, much of a fan, uh, is the NFL. When when I used to watch, you know, obviously I grew up a Cleveland Browns fan as as I continue to to be and when i would watch games like the browns weren't on uh particularly after i left cleveland but but even even those times that the browns were were at home and didn't have the sellout or whatever uh and and weren't on television there there was no you know you could listen when i was in cleveland you could listen to the radio but the only time you would ever get like any kind of update at all was if they went to new york for like an update right they didn't even back then like once a maybe once a half they would show you like scores around the league maybe you had to get lucky
1: you had to get you had to just get lucky and hope that the update that they went to was your team's your
0: team exactly you would be like oh let's go to new york like oh come on on." oh in pittsburgh ah you know just no you get nothing and then there were times that this didn't happen as often but there were times if the if your team was playing in the four o'clock game this really happened you didn't know if your team won, there was no way to, the the games would end and your game wasn't on. They didn't have a post game show back then. And it's like, good luck trying to find the score. I mean, there were like, remember there used to be like telephone score lines. You could try to call that were like 50 cents a minute or something. And then
1: like your local news would, (laughs) if you watch the sports in your local news, they would go like, they would talk about your team. Right. right but then then they would just flash through like words on the screen to be like bills beat the chargers 14 to 10 and the 49ers topped the the uh, you know cowboys 21 20 and that was the only information you had you had no other information and no other access to any information at all i mean sports center changed that that's why sports center was such a big deal yes sports center was a, was a show that guaranteed you that you would get a 90 second highlight package of any team whatever team you liked in any sport, you would get a ninety-second minimum highlight package about that show, and then Baseball Tonight was better than that, and uh, and that that's when it really that's that was the first real sea change. But when I was when you and I were nine, that was the best that you got was maybe they would go to a highlight uh, a a game break or whatever. And um, the only other thing you could ever wish for that would make you happy is the uh, Alcoa presents fantastic finishes.
0: Although oh, it was best. <laughs> if you ever sure got enough. one of those,
1: <laughs> if you got, if you got your team in a, in a go to let's go to New York for a, an update and you got an Alcoa presents fantastic finishes. That was a great day. That was the I best. Would, I would, that was the I best Sunday had to offer.
0: Oh, that was the best Sunday had to offer, but I would add offer a third. And that was if you ever, if your team ever got a highlight on Monday night football's halftime highlights with Cosell doing the thing like that was, that was enormous. You know, they'd be the halftime highlights and uh, you know, they would be like, Oh, in Cleveland, Mike Pruitt, you know, and and that was like the first time I'd even seen any of the things. That's why all of these things that, that mattered then, like they used to have that NFL game of the week on, on uh, you know, NFL films. Right. That was huge. That was huge. That was if your team was on that, those were the only highlights you would see. Like you're like for that team. Uh, all of these things were we were so hungry for information. And now your jerk son and my jerk daughters <laughs> could could just they just go to anything, any device so in the house, angry. the toaster and press a button, and it's like, oh, I want to see anything at any time, right now, this second and they can do that it's just a totally different world they're such way jerks. better world
1: they're such way jerks <laughs> these children are jerks <laughs> all
0: right we got to do the browns uh update but before we do that i i want to i want to sort of put a bow tie a bow i want to tie a bow around something we talked about last week um so last week we spent quite a bit of time talking about the papa johns uh nazi thing yes uh which is, which is so i i endlessly funny to me there will it will be endlessly funny to me for the rest of my life you you will be able to go up to me i will never get sick of it
1: no nope. and it so got way, J- it got way funnier i assume this is what you're going to say it got way funnier <laughs> it got after we way recorded funnier.
0: <laughs> way funnier so so papa john uh, he, look so he, he 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 came out and, and made these statements about uh NFL players who are who are uh you know silently and very I think respectfully protesting uh for because of uh you know various uh various civil you know rights that are being trampled on across the country and uh there are those that that conflate that and say oh, they're being disrespectful to the to the flag and to the military and whatever and that was Papa John's statement and Papa John didn't just say that he said He's losing pizza sales because the NFL can't get their arms around uh, this problem, as he as he defined it. Is that that fair? That's the fair way to say what what he what he said. You think that is the fair?
1: That is a fair way yeah. to say it. he blamed his he he had they had reported lower, as I understand this, they reported lower corporate profit, and he or or maybe we're about to or something, and right, blamed, something he blamed the protests. They were taking place during the National Anthem for the lower, the reduced sales of his, of his uh, <laughs> polyester based pizza products that he sells.
0: Correct. Correct. Uh, obviously, this had the direct impact of making uh, Nazis want to uh, use Papa John's as their official pizza. That's right. So the Nazis, who had never had, as far as I know, an official pizza, decided to go with Papa John's uh, for the obvious reasons. And Papa John, to his, his, I don't know what you would say... He <laughs> you can't you want to say to his
1: credit, but you can't his
0: credit but you can't you can't you can't say to his credit to his humanity all right just said, no, I don't want Nazis to like my pizza right you know which is which is which is the right uh call in okay? general,
1: if the question is, should you as a business owner say, I I am happy that Nazis like my product or no, I am unhappy that Nazis like my product. You should generally speaking, say I'm unhappy that Nazis like my product. Yeah, right. You generally want to go that way. You want to head in that general direction for your.
0: They're probably exceptions (laughs) to the rule, but I don't know what they are. Yeah. So uh, so this week, the Papa John's decided to apologize uh, for for for. His statement, which he felt – which he said was misunderstood and again, I'm not going to go into the quality of the apology or whatever. But at the end of the apology on Twitter, uh, he he basically said, we're open to all opinions and then he said, accept and then they did like an emoji middle finger right. to Nazis. Right. And I just thought – and I I, I was – I was trying to figure out a way to put this into words. And all I could really come up with was well played. Uh, <laughs> well, well played. <laughs> Papa John.
1: Okay, you, no. But on. Hold on, a... hold on, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. You're, you're skipping over like 11 of the funniest parts of this. Because the first thing that happened that's wonderful is it, it was reported. And I don't think it's been confirmed. But I think it was Pro Football Talk reported that the announcement by Papa John that the league's uh that the NFLPA's uh player protests that were taking place during the national anthem and the ensuing controversy that had erupted around those protests uh had caused his pizza sales to decline, was actually part of a larger plot that was hatched by, by Jerry Jones, <laughs> who allegedly encouraged Papa John to go right, make that statement right, right. in order to help. <laughs> What I imagine would be the anti-player protest owners groups, the ability to drum out the player protests would be able to say, hey, right. guys, listen, of course, we support you and your constitutionally provided right to free speech and expression. <laughs> of course. I mean, obviously, we want you to you're human beings. We would of like course. you to, to speak your mind uh, about racial injustice and uh, and police brutality. But here's the deal. I mean, you saw this thing. Papa John (laughs) talked about his pizza sales are going down. I mean, we can't have that. You guys are with us, right? So so stop, please, if you would, peacefully and quietly protesting during the national anthem because thousands of uh, black citizens across the country are being mistreated by the police force. (laughs) Because if you don't, we're looking at maybe another four and a half or five percent decrease in Papa John's pizza sales. And we just... I'm sure that you care about this as much as we do, right? So come on, help us out here, guys. I mean, that was literally, that appears to have been the, the, if, it's true, the if it's true, yeah, the... which I totally 100% believe it is. Uh, if it is true, that was the plan. The plan was Jerry Jones, uh, Mensa level genius, Jerry Jones went to Papa John and said, hey, buddy, I've got a great idea. <laughs>
0: No. <laughs> let's let's get together yeah, on this like,
1: i'm like you You imagine them both imagine if you will the two of them meeting in a dark oak room with <laughs> various bottles of brandy and whiskey around them and they're smoking cigars yeah. and they're in a place the kind cigars. of back room where like in days of yore, like in the political world you know they the tammany hall would have chosen uh you know a candidate for <laughs> office or you know the the uh, the republican or democratic uh, convention would have been meeting to decide the fate of the free world, and right. what they're doing, right. <laughs> what they're doing is hatching a plot to try to give the owners more leverage over the players by leaking <laughs> the the, the, News. the absurd, no way it's possibly true, pl- the story that Papa John's pizza sales have been adversely affected by these player protests. And and, and by the way, even if it is true, which there's no way it's true, even <laughs> if it is true, the idea that the players would give a flying hoot about Papa John's as pizza sales and thus would be more inclined to like not protest or whatever, whatever they're trying to achieve. it it's, the whole thing. it beautiful. I, I, I want it to go on forever. I just, I want the details <laughs> of this story to leak to continue to leak out at the rate of one a day for the rest of my life. Cause it couldn't be funnier. Yes. It couldn't be a dumber plan and it, it couldn't have backfired more completely and totally. And I, there's nothing funnier to me than a bunch of people who consider themselves to be brilliant geniuses and James Bond, supervillain types being exposed <laughs> instantly as, as having absolutely no acumen or ability to pull off whatever it is that they're trying to pull off.
0: What? well that's right and the fact that it led so to papa john freaking out obviously uh over over how this backfired on him and hiring unquestionably hiring some sort of crisis management firm uh to help him go through the, this issue and figure out how to respond to it and and bring in the bring in the wordsmiths bring in the people and that the plan <laughs> eventually led to Here's what we do: we get the emoji middle <laughs> finger <That'll- laughs> for, for Nazis. That's yep. that's how we that's how we solve this problem. It, it's all comes down to the emoji middle finger. But for it's the also Nazis. like
1: it's hilarious because it's so lame and it's so ineffectual. But it's also <laughs> such a sad attempt to, like, relate to young people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, the kids. The,
0: the best, kids.
1: Yeah, the kids. Like, they'll get it. Like, oh, it's an emoji. Kids like emojis. Uh, I mean, it's just, like, it's the saddest.
0: Oh, I, love it. No, saddest. I love it. It's just the saddest. Every
1: part. This is what I mean. I want there to be one new development like that every day. Every day. I, and I never every want day. it to end. And, like, the whole thing about Jerry Jones suing his own league and that leak, that someone leaking out that, uh, that, um, that Goodell wanted million a year at a private jet and all this stuff when like the only it's like, Oh, I wonder who leaked that considering that there is exactly one person in the entire league who doesn't like Goodell right now. And it's the own. It's the powerful owner who just wedged his way. He's not a member of that committee. He announced that he was a member of the committee. He's like an adjunct seventh member of the, of the whatever compensation committee or whatever it's called. It's Arthur blank and Kraft and who and John Mara. And Jerry Jones is not on that committee. He just declared that he was on it. He was just like, no, I'm also here. I'm a seventh guy who's also here. And then weirdly, <laughs> some of the details of the, of the negotiation leak out. And there's exactly one person who doesn't want. Happened. I mean, that's what I mean. He thinks he's a James Bond oh, supervillain. And in reality, he is the, it's like the most obvious. I, I'll, let me tell this very brief story. I may have told this before, too. I apologize. But when my little sister was like three years old, a bunch of there was in my old house where I grew up in Connecticut. There, when you walked in the door, in the front door, right away there's a staircase that went up to the second floor. And uh, I and my dad and a couple other people were sort of clustered around the open door. I think we were about to leave somewhere. My little sister was three years old. Came down the stairs very very slowly uh, to from upstairs very 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 slowly, and she walked through us and then she went past us and she went into the kitchen. And we kept talking and about whatever we were talking about. And then she re entered and and she had her hands behind her back in a very conspicuous 3-year-old <laughs> way and my dad said "Stephanie what do you have uh, behind your back?" and she said nothing and then she turned and started to walk back up the stairs away from us now And because she was three, she continued to hold her hands behind her back, not understanding that the thing that she was concealing, which turned out to be a giant chocolate chip cookie, was now visible to us. And she very, very slowly walked up the stairs with the chocolate chip cookie still behind her back, which in her mind meant nobody can see this because it's behind my back. That is the thing I think about all the time when this happens, when it's like there is one guy whose running back was just suspended six games by the commissioner, who doesn't want the commissioner's contract to be re-signed. There's exactly what we know of. There's one guy. He is a very powerful loudmouth who throws his weight around every opportunity he gets. He forced his way onto the compensation committee. No one wanted him there, and he just decided that he was a part of that committee, and then the details of the negotiation leaked out. That is exactly the equivalent of my little my 3-year-old sister turning around and walking up the stairs with a chocolate chip cookie held behind her back. Every single person in the world knows that Jerry Jones is the one who did all of that
0: stuff. Oh yeah, there's no question. And by the way, no doubt in my mind that Jerry Jones is behind the Papa John thing. There's just I, you know, I know that that, that has Zero not been doubt, confirmed, right? yeah. but who else would would come up with such a wonderful scheme? <laughs> as, 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 what,
1: as other, the, what the, other brilliant mind <laughs> what other scheme but a brilliant schemer and plotter could, could possibly come up with, come up with a plan that i'll nefarious. tell you what'll
0: stop these players pizza <laughs> profits going down <laughs> that stops them cold right there right there
1: i just it's i just joyous. love it oh, so God, i love it so i love every angle on it every time a new thing emerges anywhere it's following that story has completely made up for not following the actual <laughs> league like i've stopped following the league and watching the games and i feel like i am more entertained this year than i have in years it's, past because of this story. it's so
0: true it's so true all right we have to talk uh about the cleveland browns let's check in Browns uh, lost again uh, this week to Detroit. They are now 0-9. Uh, their coaches, uh, Hugh Jackson, is 1-25, uh, which we will talk about in one minute. But before we do that, I want to mention something about that game. Uh, toward the end of the first half, the Browns were trailing by a touchdown and they got the ball back and they drove down the field in the final minutes of the game. Um, and with... Two minutes left, they had the ball at the Detroit 26, I believe. So somewhere well in field goal range with two minutes left and they had a timeout uh to go. Uh at this point, having watched football for years and years, as you have and as I have, uh humanly impossible to run out of time, right? When you when it's two minutes left and you're on the 26-yard line and you have a timeout left, you 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 can't run out of time. Like that's not a possibility in that situation. Would you, you agree with would, you
1: that? You would have to be, I would say you would have to be actively trying <laughs> for some
0: reason to right, run out the clock. Right, yeah. right. It's almost like if you wanted to run out the clock, you could do that, but you could not run out of time if you don't want to. Uh, the Browns then ran a series of, of incredibly uh, stupid plays and blew their time out for no apparent reason uh, and ended up at the two yard line with 15 seconds to go, which, which, which is still fine. They still had the ball uh, plenty, at the, at the, Plenty of time. They had time to run two plays uh, if they wanted. Uh, They could run one play and kick the field goal if they wanted, whatever they wanted to do. And they ran a quarterback dive from the two yard line. I'm not calling it a draw and I'm not calling it a sneak. It was literally a dive. He took the snap and he just tried to run forward like it was like he was trying to get an inch for a first down or something. And he got an inch, uh, at most, (laughs) Uh, but but obviously at that point, then there was panic in, in the streets and everybody kind of tried to scramble. And of course, Detroit, uh, seeing what was happening, didn't let them up. Uh, and the clock ran out and, and, and the game, uh, (laughs) halftime came and the Browns didn't score any points. And later Hugh Jackson said, that's on me, but apparently it wasn't. Apparently it was a, uh, a tragic uh, mistake by, uh by quarterback uh, Deshaun. Yes, he uh,
1: apparently audibled to that He apparently player,
0: audibled, yeah. although that was something somebody else said. He didn't even talk about that. Anyway, my question is, are you Browns fan now? Are you back? Are you back on board?
1: <laughs> Look, I admire your uh, tenacity in this issue, but no, I'm not. I'm uh, still out. Um, I, I, Obviously, I didn't know what was going on. You texted me and asked me, what play do you think? What's the worst play that you could brought in that scenario? <laughs> That's what I asked and you. I, exactly. I, right. It, like it's so bad. It's such a bad play. It escaped my ability to like find <laughs> it in my, in the recesses of my knowledge of NFL plays. I I think I wrote like, I don't know, a running play. And you were like, no, no, no. Running play. Know. Quarterback dive. <laughs> because the thing I was missing, the extra key special sauce, is if it's a quarterback dive, then you have a maximal amount of time that it would take for the quarterback to kind of like get up and, and reset. Right. It's like the, the only thing that could have been worse well, would have been a Hail Mary because you would have sent five people, <laughs> you know, 100 yards downfield. But given where they were on the field, that was impossible. So, yeah, quarterback dive is the, is it, the absolute worst play. It's you can the worst. Yeah.
0: In addition to the fact that, of course, it, it completely takes away all opportunity to run a, a, another play, uh, which is which is wonderful. A running play, as stupid as that would be, there's like a chance you'll score. There, I mean, not a great chance right. for the two. And, but and you might catch it's them. You might recall. catch them off
1: balance. You might. they you might, might not be. You yet. might
0: catch them yeah. off balance. Maybe you get a really good block. The guy dives in. Quarterback dive is zero. Literally zero percent chance that you're going to score. Uh, all of this leads to uh, the wonderful uh, stat of the week for for the Browns that was actually uh, discovered by uh, our producer TJ. Uh, I guess he saw it on the For the Win uh, at USA Today. Uh full credit to those guys uh do you want to read the stat because I think the stat is it's this is yours yeah i i i
1: would i would love to i would love to read the stat, but i'd also like to say that this might be my favorite stat of all time oh i think I it really, might be it really yeah, might be I, it's true and i haven't run the math on it. I am assuming that this is accurate but it but when you hear the numbers, you think. No way it, it, that, can be, that can't be right. And I'm still, I still don't believe it's right. Is it, 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 have you run the numbers? I've I've just run. I've run basically
0: the numbers. Yeah.
1: All right. So this sounds impossible, but here's the stat. I feel, <laughs> but I feel like I'm going to say this and then people are going to tweet at me and be like, no, you're off by a factor of a hundred or something. Here's the stat. New England Patriots coach Bill Belichick would have to lose six hundred and ten thousand <laughs> games in a row in order for his career winning percentage to match Hugh Jackson's winning percentage as Brown's head coach which is 040 040
0: right. twenty five. Which,
1: which means Bill Belichick's Bill, Bill Belichick would have to have thirty eight thousand one hundred and twenty five consecutive 0 and 16 seasons
0: are we you, sure that's right? I don't think that's going to happen, by the way. I I No, don't. I
1: don't think so either. I think he's going to yeah. I mean, yeah. uh I don't think he he's going to coach for a, a a lot longer, but I don't think he's going to coach for 38,000 more years. And even <laughs> well, if he does, it, I don't think he's going to go 0 and 16 every year.
0: Well, well, here's the thing. Uh it is actually his winning percentage cuz he is now 1 in 20. Oh no, he's 1 in 24. So that's 0.40. Right. So 0.040 uh times i'm going to do this just just to be sure we got this correct 0.040 times 610,000 equals uh you know what i'm not sure that is right actually no, right so I'm looking this at seems it crazy yeah, what does that 60, equal i think it's 61,000 I, 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 61, I think that's
1: that's gotta be 61,000
0: i think that's yeah. right now that you're looking at it because so, so one divided by 25 uh, so he's one in 24 now so uh, so one in twenty one is point four. Uh, Pointed if you multiply that by six hundred and ten thousand, it's twenty four thousand four hundred wins. So so that's not uh, right. Wait, is uh, two
1: thousand four hundred wins or twenty four thousand? wins?
0: Twenty four thousand wins. So okay, then I, we're, then,
1: it, then we're off by a factor of a hundred, right? right?
0: So it's sixty one thousand.
1: No, we're. I think we're off by. I think we're. I think we're off by. Because multiply six thousand one hundred by 0.040. Yeah,
0: let's like, try. This is really dumb
1: that we're doing this in real time.
0: <laughs> this So There you go. There's your two hundred and forty four wins. Yeah. So he would they, actually only have we to literally lose. are off
1: by a of, by a factor of a hundred. Yeah, I think he'd have right. to. I think he'd have to lose six thousand one hundred games in a row.
0: Which is still impressive. Which is still insane. But is <laughs> that is still oh and eighty one zero uh, and sixteen seasons? That's in right. A row. It's
1: still three hundred. It's still four hundred years of never winning. But, uh, but yeah, 610,000 is, yeah, I, it's, it's six one oh oh dot oh oh not six one oh 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 yeah well there you
0: go well we see it's still a great stat but it, but we fixed it and, and i don't know maybe maybe uh they they had that right uh on for the win i didn't actually see maybe <laughs> the there. i'm not blaming tj or anything but maybe they had the stat right but it is 6100 uh games in yeah. a row but that makes a
1: lot more sense it's still an absurd stat it's losing absurd 6100 stat. games in a row is still an absurd stat but it's not 610,000 games.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that sounded so good, though. It sounded so good. So is 6,100 games in a row, is that still your favorite stat of all time?
1: Uh, it's not. It's now not my favorite stat of all time, but it's still one. It's still a wonderful stat. A I mean, the thing is, stat. the thing is, it's like, um, you know, football. It's weird because in baseball, baseball careers are a lot longer than football careers for everybody, except maybe coaches. But even coaches don't tend to coach until they're you know Jim Leland's age. I guess you know once in a while you get a guy who coaches into his seventies or whatever. But the guys who have been around the very longest still don't have. You know Bill Belichick has like, what two hundred and something seventy wins or whatever. That doesn't sound like that much. You know what I mean? Like he's a sixty-five year old man. He's like the the coaches like Mike Shishovsky just got his thousandth win. You know, like you only have sixteen chances right, a year that's right. to do this that's stuff, right. and so even the guys whether it's a quarterback you know Brady has 200 wins or whatever it is 200 plus wins you know these are the the, lo- the guys who have been who have had the very longest careers when you get into like the number of games played or number of wins or whatever it's very small and you can get you know if a coach has 100 professional wins that's a lot of wins a lot of that's wins. Absolutely. that's 10 that's seasons of winning 10 games a year which is really hard to do right so when you think about that he could lose 6,000 games in a row and still have the same winning percentage as another guy who is currently a coach. That's, that's insane.
0: By the way, TJ uh, has, has, has let me know that uh, he just copied and pasted that stat. So, uh, so for the are win guys, we, well, now I feel
1: like now are we crazy? Are we doing the math? We're not nah, doing the math. We're, right. we're doing it
0: right. <laughs> you can't 610,000 is not right. I mean, yeah. it's, it's oh oh four oh is, I mean, we, we should have well you you saw it right away I mean I, I yeah. thought it was sounded weird but you you were right like right away that's too many it's 6100 in a row and and uh look that's a lot you don't have to you don't have to you don't have to mess with that stat too much in order to uh to get it right so yeah uh and make it impressive so uh I, I would say TJ uh our, our producer has has just given us a statistic Hugh Jackson has never won a football game on Sunday. That's right. As coach of the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Their one win was a Saturday game. Uh, you know
1: why that's a problem? Uh, Uh, I would say just off the top of my head is that football is mostly played on Sundays.
0: It is. It is mostly played on Sunday. And even, even a little further along, no, nobody in the NFL is letting Cleveland play anything but Sunday games. They're not. They're not putting Cleveland on Thursday yeah. or Monday. Well, or isn't there? Any don't of those. they
1: have to put every team on Thursday once a year? Like they have to play a Thursday game, right?
0: I don't think that's true. Is, is not, that I true? Thought, I
1: thought every team. I thought had to... that was
0: a rule, but I think the Browns are exempt from all such. <laughs> You
1: know what? Pretty soon there's going to be Sundays where the Browns just don't play. And everyone looks around and goes like, wait, what happened to the Browns? Are they off? They had a bye week two weeks ago. Go? How do they have another bye? And it's just going to be, yeah, we just decided to just take it easy with
0: the Browns this week. There's just there's just no reason yeah. for them they were, to. They, uh, they were to, playing
1: the Falcons and you know, the Falcons are going to win. So we just gave the Falcons a win and it just makes everything easier. We, We credited Matt Ryan with, you know, 280 yards passing
0: and three touchdowns just to
1: so Which just, what we, let's just move on and, just, and, Come on, and,
0: and we told the Browns that at one point they you know they, they had seven pass interference penalties in a row
1: that's it yeah. just, well we, you know, know, like the, we gave them like a we, they have one forced fumble and we gave them like two sacks <laughs> and it's just so they don't feel like they get totally screwed but but yeah we just we're just gonna take it easy with the Browns
0: all right well we're gonna go on to our draft uh, but before we do that I uh, gotta ask you anything on your mind
1: I did actually have something very specifically and I'm just going to get this right off my chest. Okay. I wanted to take you uh I already blew it. <laughs> uh, how many of these have we done? How many podcasts have we done? Total? Yeah, do you know offhand?
0: No, but it's like hundreds.
1: It's hundreds, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to uh, again, I'm going to say that after w- when we've done 10,000 of them, Malcolm Gladwell style, I'm going to be amazing <laughs> at this.
0: We really really could lose 6,100 podcasts in a row. Like, that's possible (laughs) for
1: us. When we have done 610,000 podcasts, (laughs) I am going to be so good at at
0: this. I'm so good good at at just talking in general.
1: I wanted to take a second to tell you about the StatCat. I blew it again. I want to take a second. I'm not going to do this. I have to do it perfectly or I don't do it at all. That's how this works. I understand. I want to take a second to tell you about the StatCast Podcast, a show dedicated to the analytics that drive front office decisions in the modern game. It's hosted by podcast listener Mike Petriello and Matt Myers. I already blew it, but I'm going to keep going now. Keep going. And last week, they dug deep into the data for some insight into which players are most deserving of the MVP, Cy Young, and other MLB season awards, and who got snubbed. To hear the answers, download the show from Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts by searching for StatCast Podcast or by going to www.statcast.com podcast.com that is the worst sentence i can't believe that anyone how could anyone say that normally can you do me a favor read the read the last sentence starting with apple podcasts and i just uh, want to hear how you
0: do it yeah yeah to hear the answers download the show from apple podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts by searching for statcast podcast or by going to www.statcatspodcast.com. No you can't do it. It's it's not. It's a Peter Piper thing. There's no way. You know what? it's
1: www.statcat is what you want to say. Stat- it's impossible to say quickly. podcast.
0: Yeah. No that's Cannot right. Can I say
1: www.statcastpodcast. That's that's rubber baby buggy bumpers times 10. <laughs>
0: By the way they're both big podcast listeners. Mike Petriola and Matt Myers. Matt's oh. uh, Matt's my editor uh and uh, and he's a he's a big listener and uh um actually was very very curious about the uh the big uh you know Michael Shore shindig uh for the manager of the year award. He was very <laughs> oh, yeah. very yeah. interested. He'd yeah, heard next about year. it.
1: I'm going to invite Matt next year. He'll uh, participate.
0: <laughs> Our fun super un I don't even know what to call our draft. It doesn't – we just totally – we always make it up at the last second. But, I mean, we really put no effort into this one. Correct. We are drafting uh, classic movies that we have not seen. Yeah. That's literally it. We We are not saying that they're necessarily classic – the best classic movies we haven't seen or classic movies that we even want to see. We don't have any idea what this is. We just nope. know – I, I took it to
1: mean like, what's, what are the like movies that you're most embarrassed? Yeah, that you've no, I, that's kind
0: funny. Of Cause I took it that way too, which just goes <laughs> to show you that we're both just morons, right? That we just, <laughs> we just think things the same way that, that make no sense at all. But yes, the first that, pick. that is what we're doing. Uh, I believe, I think I had first pick last time. So why don't you take first pick?
1: Uh, all right. Number one, and it's pretty easy. Number one for me, Scarface.
0: Wow. Have not yeah. seen Scarface.
1: Never seen Scarface. So, uh, you know, I'm not a huge, I'm not super into violence. It's never right. been my thing. And I tried to, about 10 years ago, I tried to, I was like, I've never seen Scarface. And I saw that it was on cable and I DVR'd it. And I was like, I going to watch Scarface. So <laughs> I started watching it and I watched like three minutes of it. And I had one thought, one overwhelming thought which was, this is the most racist thing I have ever seen in my life. Like, Al, I know Al Pacino. Al Pacino is not in any way Latino. He is right. not Hispanic. <laughs> he's not Central American or South American or any, or Mexican or any. Really and he's no. not anything close. And, I, and it's, it's like, it, it's a sign of the times that like now you could never in a billion years make that movie with just a random white guy playing that role i and i and i thought it was insane i thought the performance was insane and way over the top (laughs) al pacino to me is like the actor who has the greatest range of brilliance and terribleness like dog day afternoon is one of my favorite movies and he is stunning in it he is so good and his performance is like controlled and contained and brilliant and small and powerful and wonderful and then there's whatever the first four minutes of Scarface which <laughs> is like I, I hated it I was like I'm never watching this and I immediately turned it off and now I'm by the way not in any way ashamed or embarrassed to admit that I've never seen Scarface I never want to see Scarface it
0: looks terrible Okay. So, so it's not a case of a classic movie that you somehow missed or you just never got around to. This is a purposeful, you didn't want to see it.
1: was that until that day, eight or 10 years ago. And now it's like, I'm not watching that movie. That (laughs) that movie stinks.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's not, it's, it's not a favorite. I I have seen it and it's, it's not a favorite. You know, it's, it's interesting when, when doing this for me, it was interesting. I've seen a lot of movies. I mean, I'm a big movie guy, especially classic movies. And, uh, for a while there, I, I would see, uh, I would try to see, I, I tried to see every Oscar winner. Like that was a thing for a while. For a while, okay. I used to, I used to be able to memorize all the, uh, I had all the Oscar movie, the uh, winning movies memorized, and a lot of the nominees memorized. I was really into the Oscars, still am a little bit, but not to that point. Uh, I gave up on that a while ago, but I used to really be into that. So when I was looking through, like, okay, well, what are considered the classic movies? I've seen like a huge percentage of them, I have to huh. say, um, but I've never seen Gone with the Wind, and that's that's my uh-huh. number one. Movie. <laughs> never seen Gone with the Wind, I, and it's one of those. It's one of those movies, and there are a couple of movies on the list that are like this, where I, I'm not opposed to seeing it. I'm not. It's not like I've purposely not seen it. I've just never quite been in the mood to see it. I've just never quite had the like I I feel like I kind of know what it is and I've seen enough scenes from it that I'm like, okay, I get it. You know, it's fine. And not super interested in the plot and the movie itself just doesn't, I mean, I, 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 it's an all time classic. I mean, it's, it's in everybody, every critics top, whatever, 10, 15, 20, uh, never seen it. And I got to say at this point in my life, I probably never will see it. Which is- um.
1: Yeah. I mean, there, there's like a spectacle to it. That's fun. And, yeah, and sure. uh, I, uh, I, I real, really quickly. Cause we're, by the way, we're doing pretty well on time. Not we're bad. only 44 minutes into this thing and I feel like we can wrap it up in an hour if we're, if we're good. And I think we should aim <laughs> for that. But I, uh, so I had gone with the wind. I saw gone with the wind on sale for at a dollar at a DVD place and I bought it when I was right out of college. Okay. And so there was a night where I was working at Saturday night live and I had, and I was flying to Texas for the holidays, uh, flying to Houston where my uh, uncle Jeff lives and my grandparents lived and all that stuff. And, um, so I, I went to SNL and we, I stayed out until one of the show ends at one in the morning. They went to the after party and it was four in the morning when I got home and my flight was at like 10 on Sunday. And so I thought like, well, I can either go to bed at 430 in the morning uh, or I and, and risk like sleeping through my alarm right. and missing right. my flight. That's always or I can just do something for four hours and then I can just get in a cab and go to the airport. And I looked at Gone with the Wind, and it was like running time—you know, three hours fifty-eight minutes. And I was like, "All right, this is what I'm doing right now." So I sat down, at started Gone with the Wind at four o'clock in the morning, and watched it until like eight o'clock in the morning, and then got my bag and went to the airport. And uh, that's how I watched Gone with the Wind. And I got to say, I stayed awake, like it. <laughs> You know, like I was 22 and I had a lot more energy than I have now, but it captured my uh, imagination enough to keep me awake for four hours.
0: I have no question in my mind that it's a it's a great movie. I, I I don't I don't dispute that. I'm not I'm not in any way down on it. If if it was if a situation came up like tonight, the reason that we came up with this tonight, uh, I'm taking Margot, my wife. Uh, to see Casablanca on the big screen for the first time, oh, I uh, yeah, which I love. Casablanca is one of my all-time favorite movies. So it's going to see it on the big screen for the first time. If that ever happened with Gone yes. with the Wind, I wouldn't be opposed to doing it, but it's it's I probably won't ever see it.
1: All right, my number two is going to shock you. Uh-oh. Are you ready?
0: Oh, I don't think I am.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I don't know if it's going to shock you or not. I don't. I mean, I I don't know why I even said that. I've never seen Terminator, the original I- Terminator.
0: I I think you've said that on this podcast before.
1: Yeah, I think I have too. It rings a bell. I cannot believe you've not Uh, seen Terminator. never seen Terminator. I saw Terminator 2, or at least most of Terminator, some of Terminator 2. I mean, I definitely could not say that I have seen Terminator 2 either. I've definitely seen chunks of Terminator 2, but I don't think I've ever seen the full. Because I I have very specific memories of seeing the the, uh, liquid metal guy. Right, you know, opening the elevator door and stuff. But I have never seen Terminator. Don't and I, like I'm a big science fiction movie guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I just kind of missed it. I just like I didn't see it when it came out, and now seems absurd to watch, sit down, and <laughs> spend a day watching Terminator. Like I, I, you know, I just never saw. I don't know. I just never saw it.
0: That's interesting. I I would say that 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 could come up. Like you could Terminator is. I think, first of all, I think it's way better uh, than Terminator two. Um, Hmm. you know, Terminator two is fine and fun and whatever, but Terminator, like it's raw. And I mean, it's the, you know, the, the special effects are not that great. And I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, there's a, it's pretty cool. And, and certainly the first time I saw it, it was very, uh, you know, the end, the the ending is surprising. And there's like, it's, it's pretty cool. I, I, I actually saw it not that long ago with my oldest daughter. She wanted to see it and she, she really, really liked it. Um, so I think you could see it. I mean, that's it's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Maybe with the, you know, with your with your jerks on at some point, you know that that <laughs> might uh, that might come up. Sure. All right. My second pick, and so I kind of went away, a little bit away from classics on some of these, uh, but I mean, I don't know if they're considered classics or not. I'd say the most surprising movie I've never seen uh, is, and and I have no explanation for not seeing it is 40-year-old virgin. I've never seen 40-year-old virgin. Really. I, I, yeah, which and I love every person involved in that. I've seen everything else they've done. I've seen lots of really, well, I wouldn't say lots, I guess, however many there are, numerous really bad Steve Carell movies. I've seen like whatever like all of the the ones where they're they're not particularly good and the ones that are really good as well. But I've seen pretty much everybody involved with Steve Carell. Uh, I've seen pretty much all of the, the, the movies of that, of that type. Um, but I've never seen it. And I, I keep wanting to, at some point I will, that is a movie I will see, but that was one that somehow slipped by me. And then I just never quite caught up. Very strange. Just strange.
1: That's surprising. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very good. It's extremely dirty. It's way dirtier than, uh, than you would think maybe it is, um, or would be. Uh, and, and sometimes to its benefit and sometimes to his detriment, I would say. But it it's the movie that launched uh, like an entire genre of right? movies and also, by the way, launched an entire genre of like careers, because before that movie, Steve Carell wasn't a household name. Neither nice. was Seth Rogen. Uh, neither was Romany Malko. Neither was any uh, like most of the people in that movie. We're not. I mean, Paul Rudd is in it, and he obviously everyone knew who Paul Rudd was. But Judd sure. Apatow wasn't. Dude had no wasn't a household like, every it really, Judd
0: Apatow movie, every yeah, other like, one. that's so that weird. was the,
1: that was really the movie that like set. And, and that that's also. It was the movie that established that whole genre, what yeah. you would call the appetite genre. But also, it saved The Office. Like, if that movie hadn't come out that summer, The Office would have been canceled. I'm almost sure of it.
0: Yeah. Oh wow, I didn't because think of
1: that. yeah, the the Office had only aired six episodes, and two things happened when it came when that movie came out. Number one, um, we all saw it, including Greg Daniels, uh, who who would adapt to the Office and was in charge of the Office, and he very very smartly said, "Oh, we're missing a huge part of Steve Carell's." charm which is mm-hmm. his charm <laughs> you know he yeah. he's like he basically said that we have to add like 20% of that guy uh into our show uh, and that that's the thing that's going to make people enjoy the show and um and and beyond that just uh, from a basic mercenary standpoint the NBC was like well that movie's a huge hit and we have this movie star under contract we might as well give him another shot you know give that show another shot so that yeah that movie really i believe had went along it wasn't the only thing certainly um there were a lot of factors in keeping it on the air. Um, uh, Many, many things. I mean, Kevin Riley, who was running NBC at the time, was a big fan of the show and really championed it in a big way. And, um, and also uh, My Name is Earl came out that same year and My Name is Earl became a big hit and that was our lead in. And so we got a big big win. But in no, no, no small part, um, 40 Year Old Virgin kept the office from being canceled.
0: I I will see it. I will see it at some point. It just never, it just never come around. Uh, all
1: right. Um, number three is I would say probably the most of all of these movies, the most famous movie that I've never seen. And the one that I do think is actually maybe the most embarrassing that I've never seen. <laughs> okay. Um, And it's, and it always shocks people when I tell people I've never seen it, but here it is. Are you ready? I have never seen taxi driver. Really? Yeah. Never seen it. Just completely wow. missed it. Don't know why. Every time it's been possible for me to see it, I just haven't uh, either wanted to or been in the right mood or whatever. Also, it's one of those movies that because are you looking at me? Are you talking to me? Blah, 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 blah. It's such a famous moment. You kind of feel like you've seen it. Yeah. Like yeah. images are so famous from that movie that it's fe- it doesn't feel like I it's not a mystery. Like I kind of get what Taxi Driver is, you know, <laughs> <laughs> in the same way that I kind of get what Scarface is. Uh, and I'm sh- and I like everyone says the same thing. You got to see it. It's incredible. Blah, blah, De Niro, blah, blah, blah. and It's like, yeah, I'm don't I don't not believe you. <laughs> I just, for whatever reason, I've never seen it. And I now I don't know if I ever will. I really don't know. I don't know. You have to be, I, I get the sense that you have to be in a real specific mood to enjoy Taxi Driver. And I don't know, as a 42-year-old father of two, uh, I don't know if I'm ever going to be in that mood again.
0: <laughs> well, it's a great movie. Obviously, it's a great movie. But I will say this, uh, having not seen it for all these years and knowing, having seen, obviously, the the most famous scene and all this, you might be disappointed if you went and saw it because you'd almost be like, well, I know the famous parts and then the other parts are not all that great. And, you know, and, and obviously it was, it's very, uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's very raw. I mean, it's, it's practically, you know, and, and it's, it's the kind of movie for instance, that I wouldn't think my kids would get because it's a particular uh, genre of 1970s movie, you know, with, with very, very early, uh, you know, very, very early De Niro, very, very early. That whole scene is very is very, you know, it's it's chaotic. And, and, and I'm yeah. not sure that you would. You
1: well, would. The, there's another thing, which is a lot of those movies I find from that era do not age well. Well, that's a thing. The thing. Like, and like I saw, uh, I I had never seen, what's the, what's, uh is it Urban Cowboy or Midnight Cowboy? The Midnight Ratso, Cowboy. Ratso Urban Cowboy is
0: a whole other thing.
1: <laughs> Midnight Cowboy. <laughs> with, that's a Dustin Hoffman as Ratso Rizzo. That's right. That's I'm walking right. here, I'm walking here, that thing. I uh, had never seen that movie, and I watched it, and I was like, boy, that stinks. That movie stinks. <laughs> 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 and, and I don't mean that it has no artistic merit. I don't mean, but it was just, it's, they're so specific. Like Dustin Hoffman is just doing his Dustin Hoffman thing where he's so deep in the character that he's like so ticky and mannered and every single little tiny movement is so like over the top thought out. And, you know, like he was in rain man and stuff. and, And I just was, and like, it's just, those movies are rambly and kind of, and, and like they're scored from wall to wall with the very specific music and right. They have a very specific tone and vibe and mood. And and it just does. I find personally for my taste, they don't age well. And so I every time I've gone back and watched one of those kind of famous 70s, six, late 60s, 70s, early 80s kind of movies. Uh, I'm just like, oh, what is the big deal? Like, I think <laughs> we just missed that was like a, it was a particular mood in the country, a particular time and place. And it, we've just moved on. Um, And by the way, the same is true of comedy, largely of comedies like uh, I there's there's not a lot of comedies that are older than about 10 years that hold up particularly well. (laughs) And in any time period, like there just aren't there's the, the people's tastes change and moods change and. Uh, I don't feel like I. If I saw a taxi driver right now, I don't think I would be like blown away by him. No, it no, is.
0: you you wouldn't. I, I I totally agree with that. I I think uh, it just you're right. I mean, it's it's the question of those movies aging, but it's also a question of how our expectations for what a movie is. You know, my my uh, uh, daughter uh, for Halloween, she's like, I want to see the scariest movie ever made. Right? I want to. That's what I want to do. I want to see like a super duper scary movie. And I said, oh, well, you've got to see The Exorcist. I mean, The Exorcist is unbelievably (laughs) scary.
1: I knew knew that's where this was going.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You've got to see it. It's super duper scary. And she was bored out of her mind. The Exorcist is really boring. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, all of those movies are really, the truth is, all of them are really boring. They're all boring (laughs) compared to the kind of weird, insane torture porn movies that happen now. Those movies are really slow. And like, even like halloween is scary but it's just scary because of the because every time you see a guy in a hockey mask it's scary but they're <laughs> not actually even like um nightmare on elm street which terrified me to the to no end when i was a kid right i saw nightmare on elm street part three i think well i got a sleepover and i couldn't sleep i just stayed up all night because it was like i obviously can't go to sleep i'll die so i just stayed up all night like even those movies when you watch them they're cartoonishly stupid they're yeah. so stupid <laughs> That you can't – like kids today are not going to be scared by those. No.
0: Movies. No, she was not. She was not scared at all by – by you know, and you hear people say like, oh my god, Jaws. I couldn't even sleep. I couldn't go anywhere near water. Jaws
1: is essentially a comedy. It's
0: like a comedy. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. doesn't have any of that value. All right. Uh, my third pick is a very specific thing, and I've actually written a little bit about this, but I wrote about this like 10 years ago. It's still true. Uh, I've never seen Hotel Rwanda. and. I, I bring that one up specifically because probably 15 years ago, I bought the DVD for Hotel Rwanda. Me and my <laughs> you wife bought, have
1: it. You oh have yeah, we own it.
0: We own Hotel Rwanda. <laughs> and I with my wife, we were like, oh God, we're going to see Hotel Rwanda. We love the actor. We, this is going to be great. Uh, and we're like, eh, "Yeah, you know what? Let's not watch it tonight. We'll watch it tomorrow or something. And we determined that we would watch Hotel Rwanda when we were in the mood. For Hotel Rwanda. And the, the answer is you're never in the mood for Hotel Rwanda. You're yeah. never. That mood is never. You need to just watch, which we will. I promise we will someday.
1: No, you won't. You won't. <laughs> and I'll tell you why you won't. You won't for several reasons. Number one, every year. I mean, Hotel Rwanda is very good. As right. I remember It's a very good movie. Don Cheadle is wonderful. Uh,
0: in he's a wonderful actor.
1: And he's wonderful in general. And, uh, yeah, I remember thinking, like, wow, this is very good. But the reason you won't see it is because every year there are two to five historically accurate movies <laughs> about right. horrifying things like That's genocides or, or whatever that come out. And they're all like usually pretty good and they usually get pretty good reviews and they're usually nominated for a bunch of Oscars and stuff. And you, in order to see any of them, you have to see them the year they come out. You That's just right. have to. Yeah. You have to capitalize on the momentum that you have to go to the movie theater and see a movie like that because they're really sad and depressing and you're there's no way ever that you're gonna be both in the mood for a sad and depressing movie and think to yourself the sad and depressing movie that i want to see is the one that came out like 12 years ago or something (laughs) forget it there's five more that came out this year that are all also good with good actors and good directors and everything and You're gonna go see those, so I think you're gonna. You could live to be a hundred years old. I think you're never gonna see you're Hotel. You're
0: probably right. You're probably right. I mean, it's funny because I'm sitting in my office, I can see my Hotel Rwanda DVD. I can <laughs> see so it from close. where I'm sitting, it's, it's so, so close so to crazy you. Crazy. You it's could like, walk right over right now, just, just walk
1: watch right it. into the DVD player. But
0: That'll never happen. It really won't. That's it's sad. It's sad because, and 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 I should say, huge. Huge fan of Don Cheadle, and I know that movie's great, and I'll probably never see it.
1: That's right. Um, my fourth movie that I've never seen, that, that it's embarrassing or whatever, that, I don't even know what the topic is. What's the topic? <laughs> Something movie? about <laughs>
0: movies we've never seen. That's um, really all it is. Th-
1: I mean, there's there's a lot of them, but there's none, that's, there's none that are kind of as big a deal as Scarface, Terminator, and Taxi Driver. So I'll right. go uh, uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Never seen Lawrence of Arabia. Wow. And I'll tell you why. There's one very specific reason why, and it's <laughs> because everybody, if you talk to any kind of cineast or cinephile, they will say the same thing about Lawrence of Arabia. You have to see it on the big screen. You can't right. see it at home. You have to see it on the big screen. Because of the way it was shot, it was shot with a special blah, 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 395 millimeter, uh cinescope p- p- camera that was only used one time in one place on Earth and right. then it was destroyed and no one can ever look at, uh, at the camera again or everyone will burst into flames. <laughs> and uh, it's a magical camera. A guy rubbed a genie, uh, rubbed a lamp and a genie came out and <laughs> And he's, so three wishes. once, he's, he's one time and they have one wish and it's for you to invent the most perfect camera ever invented so i can make lawrence of arabia and then uh, after that you can do the camera will disappear from the earth and that's how they shot lawrence of arabia so i actually have seen lawrence of arabia on uh cable and uh, or you know a, mo- a movie channel and i've gone to dvr it and then i think to myself no you gotta see it on the big screen that's all, <laughs> that's, <laughs> how, that's the only thing i know about lawrence of arabia and so i then don't, and now forget it i mean the, every yeah, once, it's, it's one of those movies where every once in a while it, it would be like, uh, you know, hey, at this um, special art theater uh, cinema at uh, Cal State Fullerton, they're showing Lawrence of Arabia. And for one second, I think to myself, ooh, I could do that. I could do it's only 45 minutes away and I could get a bunch of people. And then by the time I finish that thought, I'm already <laughs> in my couch. And so I think that because you can only see it on the big screen or else you're like ruining, you're like defaming the concept of cinema. Uh, I think I'm never going to see it.
0: What if it was playing on a big screen at your sort of home theater?
1: Um uh, even then, I mean it's really long too, right? It's is really, it really long, long. it's
0: really the, yeah. all these all these classics all these, are really long. Yeah, so They're I mean really
1: I okay, here here's the scenario. I'm gonna lay it out for you. Okay, and this, is Liz the same, this is the same scenario w- under which you would see I would say Gone with the Wind. Okay. Your uh wife and children are out of town. <laughs> you're, right, you like you, gone. They're, they're gone. they left two days early to go somewhere for for the holidays, and you're gonna you have to do something and over here some so you're gonna do, and you're gonna meet them later at the place. You're, and so there's one night; it's a it's a Thursday night, and you don't have anywhere to be early on Friday, and you have nothing to do, and all of your friends are gone, and no one is around, and you happen to see that Lawrence of Arabia, or Gone with the wind, is playing at the theater that's eight that's twelve <laughs> minutes from your house. And it starts in 32 minutes. 32 minutes. <laughs> and you and you go, you know what? Fine. And you get up off your couch and you're there and you watch them. That is the only way that we will ever see these movies.
0: I think that's right. I think that's 100% true. I, I am not going to see Gone with the Wind except on the big screen. And I'm I, when am I going to have four hours? When is that going to happen? It's never never. never we're never seeing any of these
1: movies. It's, uh, it's, it's fine. Let's just be clear about that's what's happening.
0: My fourth pick is actually a genre. And I, again, I feel like there's a theme of mine. None of these are movies that I've actively not wanted to see. I mean, none of these movies are movies that I've like, you know, maybe gone with the wind to some degree, I guess, but that I've just gone. Okay. You know what? I'm not seeing these movies. No, none of these are like that. They're all movies. I've just kind of missed. And so my fourth is a whole genre. It's not just one movie. I have not seen a single quentin tarantino movie since pulp fiction
1: wow not one
0: wow that's a a
1: big genre
0: it's a big genre and i don't have a reason i loved pulp fiction i loved it i loved the uh reservoir dogs i mean i thought they were fantastic and i've not seen any of the kill bills i've not seen inglorious bastards i've not seen I've not seen any of them. I've not seen a single one. My wife has seen them. She always seems to like go with friends to see them. Like not because I won't go. It's just like that, just how it tends to work out. And she's like, oh, you've got to see this. And I'll like, yeah, yeah, I do. And, and I haven't, I've not seen a single, it it really occurred to me. I've not seen one.
1: So you haven't seen, I just want to make sure we have the full list. So you have not seen uh, I'm going to read off the list at the end of the list. You tell me if I got it right. You have not seen Django Unchained and Glorious Bastards, Hateful Eight, Kill Bill, volume one or two, Jackie Brown. Oh, I
0: wait. No, uh, I've seen Jackie Brown. I have.
1: seen Oh, okay. I have there we Jackie go. Um, uh, I guess that's it, right? Those are, those
0: are the, so nothing since there. Jackie Brown. I love Jackie Brown. I, I it, it is nothing against Quentin Tarantino. It's nothing against those movies. I really, really want to see Inglorious Glorious Bastards, particularly. I will see that at some point, but I don't know. I just keep missing them. It's weird.
1: Um, they're all uh, they're all worth seeing. They're all also, in my opinion, deeply problematic and complicated. Well, and of course, and uh, I have I have my own like issues with that guy. But he makes very. I mean, Inglorious. bad Bast- the first twenty. What's minutes, the one I should see? What's the one I, should I, see? I would see? Inglorious Bastards, personally. Yeah. A lot of people love the Kill Bill movies. I found the Kill Bill movies kind of tedious. It was supposed to be one movie, and it was split into two movies, and then. When I saw the second one, I was like, "Yeah, it probably should not have been one movie." Uh, but the Inglorious Bastards—the the first 20 minutes of Inglorious Bastards—is basically—I don't know if it's 20 minutes, but it's one long scene, and it's—and it's amazing. And then the Inglorious Bastards is—it's like a um, two and a half hours, what is it? Three hours long, um, something like that. Yeah, uh, and it—it's basically like you know five scenes it's like it's, nice. it's the it's these incredibly long scenes and the, the very first one is two hours and 33 minutes the very first scene is so weird and huh. cool and like suspenseful he has this way of like drawing things out for just a really 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 long time in a way that <laughs> where you're not bored and um it's it's really impressive like it's incredibly impressive writing and filmmaking and all this sort of stuff um i find that the uh, the whatever we don't need to, this to be a, a referendum on Quentin Tarantino, but uh, the, the, I don't object to like the violence just based on the violence. And I think that the, I think anyone who tries to say that the reason that the world is violent is because Quentin Tarantino movies are violent is a idiot. Right. But he does this thing that kind of bugs me, which is that he, he ba- he makes all of his enemies. He makes the bad guys in his movies, the worst guys in the world. They're, right. they're slave right. owners who yeah. like to watch their slaves wrestle each other or they're Nazis, or they're in, in Kill Bill, uh, Uma Thurman's character is unconscious and was sexually assaulted and impregnated while she was in a coma. And so the, the people that she's like taking, like the people that they're, that his heroes are taking revenge on are the very, very worst people in the world. And then they do it in a way that is the most over the top violent and insane and kind of animalistically intense but because he has co-opted you into hating the enemies that much, he makes you root for the violence. He makes you be like, yeah, beat him with a, make a club that has spice coming out of it and knock it, collapse his skull because it's a Nazi (laughs) or, you know, like, so he, like, I don't, I don't like he, I feel like the violence is very manipulative in that way. (laughs) And after a while it gets exhausting, but Inglorious bastards to me is the best like kind of, um, Like filmically, I'm not a huge, I'm not like, I don't know a ton about the language of film, but I feel like the scenes of that movie are the most interesting and suspenseful and cool and stuff. So I would, I would aim at that one.
0: I might do it. Yeah. That's a great, that's a, by
1: the way, Goodell has already weighed in and he has no problem with you choosing Tarantino as a genre of movies. You've never seen. He's fine with it. You're not going to get fined for that.
0: (laughs) That's good. That's good. I can't afford, I can't afford the fines already have
1: much, Um, you know, but he also he blames play. the now increased length of this podcast on Papa John's pizza sales going down, according to him, <laughs> we were aiming for an hour long podcast, and we're currently an hour o seven and According to Goodell, we have adversely affected papa john's pizza sales
0: well it was it was probably the fifteen minutes we spent on Papa John's <laughs> that has pushed this thing over, so he's not wrong. he is not wrong
1: uh so embarrassingly uh, some some ones that didn't make the cut for me. Before my fifth pick, Rocky Horror Picture Show. I've never seen. I'm not a part of that universe. I've never seen My Fair Lady or Sunset Boulevard.
0: That's both of those you should see. Yeah,
1: I know. I've never seen Easy Rider for kind of the same reason. I've never seen Taxi Driver, which is like, I kind of think I'll be bored. And I've never seen. I I don't
0: think you'd like it. And I've never
1: seen uh, The African Queen, which is one of the only. I've seen a lot of the movies of that era. A lot of the Bogart, uh, uh, Bacall type uh, movies. Um, but I've never seen African queen and everyone tells me I should, but, whatever. You should. um, but the number, the, none of those are the one I'm picking for my fifth pick. I'm picking, uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Wow. Never saw it.
0: Wow. Never saw
1: it. Yep. No real reason. No real, like no, nothing behind it. No uh, philosophical, um, watched five minutes of it and hated it and no, it's, oh, you should only see it on the big screen. I just have never seen it. Don't know why. Just always got away from me.
0: Interesting. If there's a definite, I think we, we, we can pull this out from what you've said. There's a definite seventies, uh, bias in your, yeah,
1: I know there is. I just met, I mean, I was a little too young, you know, I was born in 75. So I was, I was obviously too young when they were out and then at a time when, like, I might have, they might have come back around, I was, like, in college, you know, it's it's just, like, I I think it's just, there's just, a, it's a hole in my education. The 70s, 70s, not all of them. I've seen a lot of 70s movies. Like, I've seen a lot of, like, you know, Flight of the Condor sure, and sure. Or, uh, Three Days of the Condor and, and Um uh like, a lot of those, the conversation I saw. Like, I've seen a lot of those movies, a lot of those Gene Hackman movies, a lot of the, like, uh, uh, sort of thrillery things I've seen.
0: Well, Dog but Day I've
1: also never seen. I've also never seen Serpico, by the way. I should have seen that by now.
0: Oh, so that's a Pacino um, thing. So you're just kind of anti-Pacino. No, but I'm not because I love
1: Pacino. I, I love. I mean, I love Dog Day Afternoon. I love. I even like Heat. I even think he's good in Heat, even though Heat he's so over the top and boy, insane.
0: Why did I not like Heat? I just. <laughs> I know
1: I most it. people don't, but I. It's not him. I. I think it's like I think it's the era mixed with a little bit of like. The uh, mixed with like uh, uh, the the way that movies were made in that era just isn't my thing.
0: What about that guy in the restaurant in Heat who just showed up and then had no purpose in the entire movie?
1: Oh, well, that, the movie's a mess. Like it's a <laughs> giant sprawling mess. But I but there's a, a lot of really great. Well, scenes and
0: the in Pacino it. De Niro scene is really cool. That's
1: really That's good. Really cool, and uh, and yeah. there's also like a lot of like there's some great there's some great screenwriting. Like I don't want to spoil it, but the end of the movie basically De Niro. De Niro is, uh, his character is drawn very, very well. And there's a moment in that movie where he's gotten away with it. He's gotten away with everything. He's, he's on the road, but he, there's a, there's one like loose end that he didn't, that he hasn't tied up and that loose end becomes his undoing. And it's a yeah. really good little character detail. And like, so I think there's a lot of like really specific good things in that movie that that come back to me a lot. Yeah.
0: All right. My, uh, fifth pick. So I'm going to tell you the ones that I, uh, am not going to go with, uh, I've never seen Grapes of Wrath. Uh, I don't know if that's whatever. never seen King Kong. Uh, these are the movies that are in like the top 100 or whatever. Uh, yeah. I've never seen There Will Be Blood, by the way. I've never seen that, which Ooh, is that's recent. Good I know. It's a good one. And that's one, again, no specific reason. I just, I just missed it. and I never came back around to it. I've never seen one. This is one that – this is not my choice. But this is the one that I've never seen that when I tell people there are this is the one that would make people angry that I've never seen it, but i but I never will see it. Uh, it's Clockwork Orange. I've never seen Clockwork Orange. <laughs> and Why would you never to, see it? No, because I, I, the book is great, and I, I have no interest in seeing the, 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 the movie. I just have no. The, the book is disturbing enough. I don't want to see, like whatever vision. I know it's great. I understand that, but I'm never going to see Clockwork Orange. Plus, it's also another one. Because I kind of agree with you on that whole 70s, especially early 70s thing. It's like those movies don't, for the most part, hold up all that well. So hmm. I'm sure it's great, but but I'll never see it. But I'm going to pick my fifth one. It's the one that I'm most embarrassed sort of personally for never seeing. I mean, I think the one that I'm sort of most embarrassed just because I can't believe I've never seen it was 40-year-old Virgin. But the one that I'm most personally embarrassed I've never seen – uh, is uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? Wow! Yeah, because that couldn't be more in my wheelhouse, right? Like that's it's a it's like a writer movie, and it's like brilliant, and it's and and I don't mind any of the actors in it. I mean, there's nothing specific. It's a movie that I've wanted to start seeing probably fifty times. I've never seen it.
1: That's nuts. Never seen That's the only one out of it, all of these choices on either side that I would say you should go watch. Like Yeah, I mean 40 right? year old version you would really like. It's funny and it's great and great. And I'll see great. it. And I'll see it. Uh, but Eternal Sunshine is is like a it's, it's legit one. Right? I mean, it's wonderful. It's like a, and it's you know, you're you should see it soon because it's also been ripped off. Uh, it has a very specific visual style to it, and that visual style has been ripped off so many times now. Oh. And like and uh that you're you're gonna be in danger of uh, you know i tried to my wife never saw twin peaks and i tried to get her to watch twin peaks in preparation for the new you know reboot of twin peaks and she watched sure. it and she was like i, I kind of get it and went, but it's like no you don't you don't understand this was on abc in 1989 like now everything's been ripped off and it doesn't seem that crazy because it's 30 yeah. years later but at the time like it was impossible what you were watching was impossible. And that it's the same as true of eternal sunshine. It was at the time, it was incredibly uh, groundbreaking visually and right. stuff. And and right. you're in danger of losing any sense of wonder that you might get out of it because it's been ripped off so much.
0: That's the one I'll see first. That's the one I'll, I'll make a, I'll make us because I have made uh, an effort before. Uh, I think I bought that movie too. <laughs> um, so I will, I will see that that's, that's the one movie of these things that I can guarantee you, By a certain uh, date, I will have seen that movie.
1: Yeah, usually it's also incredibly romantic. It's It's a beautiful idea. Everybody says it's
0: wonderful, and again, truly
1: beautiful. It's beautifully written, right? I mean, it's
0: like that's my whole thing. So, yeah, uh, I will say I didn't like um, being John Malkovich. I didn't like it. So I don't know if that had anything to do with not seeing Eternal Sunshine or or not. But but I I was not. I was not as taken by it as so many other people seem to
1: be. Uh, being John Malkovich is, is like uh, eternal sunshine sunshine's better. I would yeah. say I mean, being John Malkovich is fun, but it's a little more gimmicky. And yeah,
0: I thought and, so. Um, and and uh, a little yeah. disturbing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. We, uh, we 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 we're going to close this podcast up as, as everybody uh, knows everybody. And I mean, everybody on Earth knows uh we are no longer doing uh, one last meaningless thing uh we we feel like we've run out on that so we're actually going to try out some different things you 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 uh, listeners have sent in some wonderful ideas uh for what could be our final segment uh so this week we're going to try out our segment and i guess you would call it uh athletes uh that we just haven't thought about in a long time right i mean that i don't <laughs> You're you're better. You're that's a a terrible terrible name. name. You're better at names than I am. So it's the idea is we're we're gonna find an ath we're gonna we're gonna name an athlete that we just hasn't come to mind forever that has some impact on us for some No,
1: that's not even I okay, How would a couple you things. It? A couple things. First of all, when you're designing like a segment, you're supposed to come up with like a short punchy I know, pithy I know. Name. I don't have
0: one segment. of those. Like, I don't.
1: Like pick 'em or winners <laughs> and losers or whatever. Bill and you said athletes who we haven't maybe thought about it in some amount of time. That's not a good <laughs> name for it. But now I feel like that has to be the name of the segment. The name of this the official name of this segment, this potential segment is <laughs> athletes who maybe we haven't thought about in some amount. All of
0: right, time. so if you're writing our song for this, it is athletes who, maybe, comma,
1: it's athletes, comma, comma who, comma, 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 maybe, maybe, comma, we haven't thought about in some amount of time.
0: <laughs> There's the name. I, I I don't think I could come up. That's not as good as Philosophy for Phil Sims, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> still, still, my all-time favorite of those. Like Adam Archuleta yeah. has one too. It's like Adam's sure. Apples. I don't even know what they are. Right. But <laughs> Philosophy is still my favorite one of those.
1: All right. So, so the, I, the way I understood this was like pick a random athlete who for some reason from the past who for some reason popped into your exactly. brain for some reason. Exactly. That's it. That's all. That's it is. all it is. And
0: that's why my pick is going to be uh, Rance Mullenix. I I don't fantastic, fantastic choice. <laughs> exactly. This is really the Rance Mullenix section of our thing. Uh, I Rance Mullenix played 16 years in the big leagues, which is kind of stunning. Uh, I would not have guessed that when I just thought of him. Uh, he had five <laughs> seasons uh, where he hit 10 or more home runs, uh, but he never hit more than 12. So I guess that's not as impressive uh, as he, but he was like this part-time kind of pinch hittery, you know, guy that played like a bunch of positions yeah. and was not a bad hitter. Like hit he hit 300 a few times, uh, a couple of times anyway, uh, not a bad hitter, played for a bunch of teams, the Blue Jays, uh, the Angels and the Royals, uh, was just kind of around. He was – Rance Mullenix is the kind of guy I think of. If you bought a baseball card pack in 1984, <laughs> Rance Mullenix was in there, right? Every he was, he single was,
1: pack. <laughs> Of 1983 <laughs> tops baseball cards, had a Rance Molyneux. It, it had one in there. It definitely had one. At least one, there. if not two or three. Um, <laughs> this is a great choice. I'm so into this choice for so many reasons. First of all, Rance Molinix was one of those guys from the 80s who wore like just regular glasses yes. when he played. He just wore like glasses, <laughs> like the kind that you would wear if you were an accountant. He just wore glasses, which is absurd. He had a terrible 80s mustache. Uh, he also, his name always seemed to me like a name. That where it was like, you know, word jumble, unscramble the <laughs> letters to make a, re, a real human name because rance is not a name and Mullenix is not a name. There's definitely there's definitely a better human name to be made out of the letters in Rance Mullenix
0: than rance <laughs> no question Mullenix. No question. Yeah.
1: And so he By the um, way,
0: in his photo on baseball reference, he's wearing his glasses. And my favorite part of the photo is clearly the photo was taken with a flash. So you have like the big light on his glasses, so like that are covering up his eyes. I just think that's awesome. Yeah, that's just wonderful. Awesome.
1: Um, that's great. I love that. I love that very much. Uh my guy, so I when the when the uh when the Astros won the World Series, I had a lot of I had a series of thoughts, uh of Astros thoughts, because as you know, as I mentioned earlier, I used to go to Astros games a lot in the eighties because sure. my grandparents lived there, my uncle Jeff still lives there um and uh I saw a ton of games there and I uh I had favorite Astros players in the same way I had favorite Red Sox players um not quite the same way but my favorite Astro for a long time was Bill Doran I love Bill Doran uh Bill Doran uh second baseman for the Astros a very underrated player I would say just he like a he was like the Ben Zobrist of his day except that he didn't (laughs) He didn't play a ton of different positions, really. Like he mostly played the almost entirely played second. But he was just right. this kind of like boring, unassuming guy who just was like a really steady presence in a lineup. And there was a year and I, I, I tried to look this up and it wasn't super successful, but I remember there being a stat and I don't remember whether it was in the middle of a year or at the end of a year or What when I, when I heard the stat, but I was watching an Astros game and there was this stat on the screen which basically gave his splits uh, at least to that point in the year which I don't remember what it was, but it was something like he hits 278 in day games and 277 in night games. He hits 281 at home and 275 on the road. He hits 279 against right handers and 277 against left handers. It was just, he had this incredibly consistent thing. And so I I tried to find up, find that stat and I couldn't, but if you go to Bill Dorn and you look up his splits, it is fun because like, on a random year I, I looked at like let's see what is this this is uh 1985 uh he hit uh 283 at home and 291 on the road he hit 289 in the first half and 285 in the second half uh he hit like he hit exactly 314 in back to back months which is really funny uh he like he just had this like crazy consistency to him and he's one of those just like forgotten guys that you would never you know if the astros had Followed through and beaten the Mets in the '86 NLCS and won the series. He might have become a more famous guy, um, but he, as it was, he just had like a really solid career, a Rance Mullinix esque career, uh, and then you know, and then it ended. Who knows? Who knows where he is now? By the way, he had two that year. He had two eighty six with no outs, two eighty seven with one out, and two ninety with two outs. I mean, that's a difference of <laughs> one hit per whatever if, you know fifty at bats um yeah just great I love that guy you know
0: what he was a really good player I mean in his prime he was because he walked too so I mean he was a really good player but if I had to pick my favorite little Bill Doran thing it is between 1983 so when he was 25 came up late uh, actually 25 was his first full year uh and 1986 uh which is uh which was he was 28 years old uh, he st- he stole 98 bases, actually, which is a lot, and he was caught 58 times. <laughs> 58 oh <my> times. <laughs> and there are a few good ones. Like in, in 1983, he's, he stole 12 bases and was caught 12 times. Uh, in 1985, he stole 23 bases and was caught 15 times. Uh, and the next year, he stole 42 bases, which is really good, uh, but was caught a league leading 19 times. So – Bill Doran, stop stop running. Like what is like where stop? Just stop yeah. running. You know, By the I don't way,
1: um, just to complete the to complete the earlier thought, um yeah, I, I typed Rance Mullenix into an anagram finder. The one <laughs> these are all nonsense, but mannequin Sculler, that's a better name than rant. That's oh, a more way logical better, name right? than Rance Mullenix. <laughs> uh, and then um wait, there's one more here. Where is it?
0: Mannequin Sculler. Mannequin
1: Sculler numerical links there you go
0: (laughs) oh that's way better that's way better rants mullinix
1: numerical links a null limericks that's like a weird (laughs) command to someone to (laughs) but literally if you just take one of the l's from mullinix and move it to the beginning of rants to make it lance right then you'd have you'd have lance uh Mullenrix, which is better <laughs> name that's a better name than rance mullinix
0: by the way i always thought it was matt uh rance mullininks like it no. feels like it needs an extra n in the middle
1: there. it's m-u-l-l-i-n-i-k-s it's
0: Mullenix. if rance mullinix starts getting like a bunch of like messages from friends like this week saying hey they featured you on the podcast. (laughs) That would make me so happy. That would make me so happy. Like Bill Doran had had his, you know, Bill Doran was a four time, got four times, three times, got votes for, for mvp i mean he had he had some you know but rance mullinick's nobody
1: by the way rance Mullinix career ops plus 107 bill doran career ops plus 106,
0: 106. how solid <laughs> how solid just these are the guys these are the guys so this so this what do you think do you think that this uh this will be our our uh, i don't know we're,
1: so the idea is we're going to try a different stupid pointless uh segment at the end of the podcast for every week for like four weeks and then we'll have people vote and then right? we'll have That's you
0: great. vote see which one and this
1: have. one was called again a guy what is (laughs) athletes comma who comma maybe comma we maybe haven't thought about in a while
0: we yeah we might have thought in 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 whatever it was in in some time that that concludes this (laughs) week's
1: edition of athletes who maybe we haven't really thought about in a while
0: in some time yes (laughs) (laughs) Well, well michael as always thank you thanks for having me